From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. And a hey now to you. And a hey now, hey now to everybody. Happy Throwback Thursday. We're Scott and Kat, and this is the After 9 Podcast. I, uh, I've got so many different things on the list here, Kat. And the one that I got the most inquiries about yesterday in my DMs was the march. Save that right till the end. I'll tell you what I thought of the march right at the end, and I think there's going to be a little something in there for everybody if you follow along right to the end of this episode. Uh, Kat, let's start off with this. I think generally we agree there's less people smoking cigarettes right now, right? Would you say that? I would say definitely than, I don't know, even 10 years ago, especially 20 years ago, but even 10 years ago, I would say so, yep. Well, this is an interesting conundrum, and it's not the first time we've had to deal with it here in Canada, but a new report says the provinces are losing billions of dollars in tax revenue because of illegal tobacco sales. The governments of BC, Ontario, and Newfoundland and Labrador alone, just those three provinces, are down two and a half billion dollars in tax revenue from 2019 to 2022. The Council of Convenience Stores says many smokers have turned to the illicit market as the federal and provincial governments say they're attempting to curb smoking by raising taxes on tobacco. Has the pendulum swung too far? It's $17 for a pack of cigarettes right now. Is it seriously? $17 for a pack of smokes. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even know where you get illegal smokes, quote unquote. Is there somebody selling them out of a van? Is it, uh, are we talking about, oh, I'm going to drive out to the, the reservation? That's what I usually hear, right? You get a baggie or something? In some do cases, they still do that? sometimes they sell just straight up cartons of cigarettes like you could get at regular okay. stores, but they don't have the tax because the tax exempt status on the reserves. Mm. So maybe that's where it is. I, I don't know if there's some sort of big illegal cigarette smuggling operation. I also don't know why we would call reserve cigarettes illegal. That to me is a strange one, too. But either way, governments are loving the tax revenue, but they're losing billions of dollars. Do you think that any of the dipshits that we've got at, at in Ottawa or in Toronto would ever say, you know, in a way, it would actually be better for everybody if we lowered the price of cigarettes because people would be more likely to do it legally and we would actually make the tax revenue off of it, kind of like they did with cannabis. Cigarettes are such a different thing because you have to have someone willing to smoke. It's not like if they, it's not like alcohol where I think if you lowered the price, more people would go. Uh, cigarettes are a different thing. It's not like if they lowered the price, I'd be like, oh, I would think I'm going to take up smoking today. Like it's not, it's not going to happen. Right. right. So you're really only talking to your base. So those cigarette companies, for example, are probably, what is it? DeMaurier or whatever. Who are the most popular ones? DeMaurier, Players, sure. so, so uh, Benson and Hedges, maybe. They all know. probably wouldn't like it because strategically speaking, they're going to be losing money. I think off of that, if anything, and not gaining money. It's not like they're going to gain new people that'll smoke just because it's brought down by two bucks a pack or something like that or am i wrong there do you think people are going to start to take it up there's still the health risks that we all know about that are proven (laughs) well i mean i'd like to think that if they if you can go and get yourself a carton of illegal smokes illegal quote unquote for i don't know 50 bucks you could buy a carton of regular smokes now for about 130 bucks if they brought that down to like a hundred Maybe many more people, current smokers that are just getting bent over and gouged, maybe they'd be more likely to use the legal cigarettes that you buy at gas stations and convenience stores as opposed to looking for the illegal smokes if it were even just a little bit more reasonably priced. Yeah, I don't think anything's going to be done. And I'm just thinking about the fact that they just finished regulating in this country the weed. We all know how that works. They're getting some money off of weed being legal. And it's losing money. It's losing money. These cannabis companies are in big trouble. Some of them anyway. I think some of the cannabis companies too probably bit off a little more than they could chew and it wasn't necessarily their fault because we all know how the economy has gone and if you're going to cut shit out, you might cut that out. It's not necessarily the same in terms of addiction. Not in my house, know. I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, that's but in some people's houses it is, right? It is yeah. being cut out. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what the answer is and it's a funny subject to, to bring up because I don't have some sympathies that other people might and I know people have their own thoughts on it. Uh, but I don't, I, I don't, to answer your question, to bring it down, I don't know if that's going to help them, help people stay away from the illegal ones, because 
I think at this point, they're probably used to it. It's hard to get people out of their habits, right? Especially people who you already know have habits. Sure. And and you know what? It's easy for habits to form in smokers. And if they get in the habit of just buying the illegal ones and enjoying the much lower cost, they're smoking God knows what. Yeah. I don't know what's in those illegal cigarettes. I know some of them smell a little funky. Right. Health Canada, I'm sure, does not want this done. But I keep thinking of something that Jean Chrétien did when he first got elected prime minister. The first thing he did was cut the taxes on smokes because there was so many people using the illicit market. And since then, we've had a bunch of prime ministers that all just wanted the money and didn't think about the fact that if you keep making it really, really, really expensive to smoke, people are going to smoke whether the government wants it or not. Whether Health Canada wants it or not, I think they will go to those illegal sources. So maybe... If you're one of the policymakers, you might want to consider actually lowering some taxes and you'd probably make more money. On that note of the smoking, I just wonder where we're going to go from here. Because Gen Z seems to be a little more about the vape. The vapes, yeah. And even millennials. I'll say millennials as well. I know a few people that, that are, love their vape pen. They bring the vape pen with them everywhere and they'll shove it with all kinds of shit. And, and freak out cool if they man. lose it. Yeah. And, it's uh, the worst day ever. I uh, mean, and, and to each their own. But, but they are leaning more towards vape pens and having them around. Is that going to impact anything in terms of the old-fashioned, I will call it old-fashioned now, cigarette? Uh, possibly. I know that there's a tech angle for everything and people tend to like the tech angle yeah. better. And well, your vape is your tech, I guess, in this case. I um, I don't like the taxes on those either, though. I mean, if somebody wants to smoke, smoke. If we need to charge a little bit in taxes here to make up for the health care costs that those people may incur later on in life, I totally understand that. But it can't be completely unreasonable where we're literally just pulling people out of money's, uh, money out of people's wallets and they go to the illegal market. Good people being forced to break the law because the taxes are so high. And I mean, no government has had the balls yet to say smoking's illegal, Mm -hmm. except for I believe it was Australia. They said that anybody born after a certain year will not be able to smoke cigarettes, i.e. it'll always in their lifetime be illegal to buy them. So they shouldn't, in theory, get too interested in them. Right. Maybe we should do that. Stop punishing people with horrible taxes or just make the damn things illegal because it's it's pretty crazy. The cost these days, 17 plus dollars a pack is wild to me. Uh, Pearson has been ranked the second worst major airport in North America. I am shocked. It's only the second most (laughs) terrible. (laughs) There's some real shithole airports that have got the reputation for being shitholes. And Newark, in case you're wondering, in New Jersey, was the overall lowest major airport in North America. That's awful. LaGuardia is just a dive. If you've got to fly into New York, please find yourself a way to get to JFK because if you've got to fly into LaGuardia, it sucks. It is awful, dirty. There's not a lot to eat. The people are miserable and the traffic is wild. Pearson actually ranked lower than LaGuardia. Wow. And and what was this based on? Like everything? Is this an overall just yeah. shit scores across the board <laughs> of, for everything? Yeah. So it's J.D. Power that does the annual rankings and they base them on a variety of factors, including terminal facilities, airport arrivals and departures, baggage claim, security check and food services. Mm. I don't even think we have that many restaurants that are that good. I mean, if you want a Wahlburger... Go ahead. We've got one. It's good that when they got the Wahlburgers, I remember that being such a big deal. Because otherwise, you have some fast food options, you know, the usual. And that's fine. Hey, it's it's great to have a Timmy's at the airport, especially if you're about to leave the country and you know you're not going to get your Timmy's again. So not try to hate on anything that's in there already. However, you're right. It's not like you go there and you're like, it's okay. I have to, you know, I've got an international flight. So I got to wait a couple hours here. Let's go dine at this really cool restaurant that's only here. Like We don't really have anything super special like that. No. Have you ever been to the Atlanta airport? Never. That's probably the airport I fly in and out of the most. That one in, in, in uh, D.C. And the food options are unbelievable. It's like being in a food court. Chinese, no problem. You want a wrap? Mm-hmm. No problem. Shawarma, here you go. You want McDonald's? Got one. Yeah. A&W? Right over there. Yeah. A lot of them do it right. The Vegas airport is fabulous. The yes. Me- all the Florida. The, I think it's only the Orlando one that I've been to, but I feel like I've been to more than one in Florida. Anyway, those are great too. They're different, right? And there's shops, like actual shops. That's the other thing too is like, I don't want to just shop for gift shop items. Uh-huh. I wouldn't mind like, and I would probably spend money if they had like regular stores in there. That would be kind of cool. Put in a goddamn Old Navy or a giant Something. tiger. Like, hey, I don't know. last minute. Ooh, I forgot to bring some t-shirts. I'm just going to wander over here yeah. into the Old Navy or or whatever. And of course, it's going to come at a 
slightly higher fee because you pay outstanding money to be set up in an airport. You have a very captive audience. So I could live with a small price increase or markup because it's the airport, but you're right. Better shopping options would be good. Not everybody wants to go and buy a $15,000 Rolex on their way out of the country. (laughs) So why don't we have stuff that people actually do need to shop for? In any case, Pearson is the second worst. And I guess what I'm wondering here is, when are we going to stop screwing around and playing with this airport in Toronto? It has no competition except for Kitchener, Hamilton, London. Those are the three main flying options within Porter, driving distance. Unless you're flying like uh, from the airport. Oh, Toronto Island. Or sorry, from the Toronto Island. You yeah. could fly to Toronto. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Every one of those airports gets better scores than Pearson. Why do Air Canada and WestJet continue to insist that if we've got to go anywhere, it's got to be at a Pearson unless it's some, I don't know, niche flight that I they know. wanted to offer? That's the thing is the flight options, right? And the timing. And that's the, th- I want those other airports that you just mentioned to expand the KW um, in Hamilton, especially because I've been to both and I, I loved it. So to have more options there, to not have also have like five stopovers to try to get somewhere would be great. And then there's right now there's just certain days of the week, right? Like if you want to go to, you know, Dominican, sorry, but you're going on a Tuesday at four o'clock and that's the only flight that comes out, you know, like all those little things. Um, if they could give more options, that would also relieve some stress for Pearson itself, which would probably be helpful. But otherwise, I just get anxiety. I gotta, I gotta go to Pearson not too long from now. Uh, I've got anxiety. I know it's a group trip. It's cost so you like three hundred dollars to park. I got sucked into Suck. a group trip. Sucks. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Pearson is just—it's just too big. It's in a bad spot. Back in the day, it served our needs fine, but now. You got to spread it out a little bit, guys. Let's use some of the other airports that people actually really like going to. Uh, The family of a North Carolina man who died after driving his car off of a collapsed bridge following directions from Google Maps are now suing Google for negligence. Mm. The lawsuit claims Google had been informed that this bridge collapsed, but it failed to update its navigation system. Oh, no. It collapsed nine years ago. Sounds like somebody at Google probably dropped the ball, right? Yes. Uh, this is a danger. This is one of the dangerous um, situations that Google can find themselves in is when you're when you're mapping stuff out like that, you do have to. Uh, is in there some responsibility there? They're probably if you want to be that person like always oh, go to Google Maps. We know what we're doing. And then someone dies using Google Maps. And we've heard people falling into <laughs> different various lakes and things like that. Similar stories. Death is like. I mean, that's a whole other extreme that someone died just based on this map. It's not a good look. So I'm assuming this family's going to get something. Okay, and, and I tend to agree with you. They probably will get something. Uh, I'll tell you the rest of the story. The man drowned after his Jeep Gladiator plunged into Snow Creek in Hickory, North Carolina last year after the map program directed him to cross a bridge that collapsed nine years prior and was never repaired. It's not even like it was recent collapse. Nine years? Yeah. You had nine years to fix it? Where does the personal responsibility come in, though? Yeah. I mean, I I follow Google Maps all the time, and if it says turn here and it's clearly not something I can turn into, I'm going to pull over and try and figure it out. Maybe the map's a little delayed or my data's not working or something like that. I never actually trust it that much that I'm going to follow it no matter what. If it says turn left at the beach and it appears to be taking me right into the ocean, I'm not going to go right into the ocean just because Google told me to. Like, where is the personal responsibility here? Yeah. And that's, that's a, it's a good point. And it's uh, probably one of the reasons why any other lawsuit like this maybe didn't get one in this particular case, because there's death. I feel like there's going to be some type of settlement because they don't want that in the news. They don't want that headline that you just read, right? Someone died using Google Maps because they thought something was open that wasn't and they were told there there's also that layer to it. Like if they were told, why didn't they fix it? They had nine years to fix it. So I think there's a little bit of responsibility on Google if you want to put yourself up there as like the map, like you gotta, you know, don't use Waze, fuck them, use us, you know, or whatever other map there is out there, your car navigation. But absolutely as, as people, we have to understand. But there are some people who don't, Maybe they aren't so technically savvy. I don't even know how to say it. Or maybe they have vision. Maybe in the moment they had a vision issue. I don't know what it was, obviously, in this particular case. But I feel like they're going to settle. Speaking of vision problems and people driving, 
I, uh, right at the end of my street, there's a retirement complex. It's a collection of townhouses where a lot of old people live. And I guess I should have known better, but I was driving down the street. There's no stop signs in my direction. I completely had the right of way. Right in front of me, an older lady, she was quite old, had the big thick glasses on that cover like your whole head, one of those ones. Sure. Turned right in front of me into the complex. Whoa. I locked up the brakes as hard as I could, skidded, even fishtailed a little bit to avoid this woman who was completely oblivious that there was another car coming and she turned right in front of me. And while it was inconvenient and I was angry that I had to lock up the brakes because she wasn't paying attention or couldn't see well enough, what particularly pissed me off yesterday was I had my dog in the back. We were going oh, to shoot. We were going That's to the park. The worst. And and I just as soon as I hit the brakes, I felt it. I saw my sunglasses shoot off of the passenger seat into the glove box. Mm-hmm. Nice Ray Bans. Now they got a scratch on them. And my dog slammed into the back of the driver's seat because he was in the back. And the dog wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just laying on his blanket. But the whole thing slid and he slammed into the back of my chair. And it got me thinking again, Kat. I don't know who's going to do it, but if, if somebody has got to step up and say, we need to have a conversation about old people driving, it's got to happen. Yeah. Doug, you got to think about this, talk about it. Come on this show and we'll ask you about it. At what age are we going to start retesting drivers? And I know no senior wants to go through that, but there's no fucking way this lady should have been behind the wheel yesterday, Kat. I was yeah, so I, mad. I, I believe you. I've seen similar for myself, and I do agree. And I feel like if I if we had somebody in charge that could step up and do that, I would respect that a lot, even though I know that that means you might not get a vote from your 75-plus audience or 60-plus or who knows. Um, I, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it to retest people just to make sure that we're okay here? Because it's so hard for families I think everyone can relate. If you've been in this scenario, it's so hard for families to take those keys away. It's not as easy as it seems. Even when you know someone shouldn't be driving in your family, a loved one of any kind, it's way harder than it seems to take those keys away. It sucks, but it would be so much easier if the government could step up and say, they got to be retested. Oh, they failed. Well, sorry. Sorry, you know, grandma, you can't fucking drive, you know? Somebody's got to do it. We got to have a conversation about this, guys, and it shouldn't be something that we argue about. Maybe you've got a perfectly fine 80-year-old grandparent or parent that is good behind the wheel. No problem. They won't have a problem. No, they'll ace it. They just got to prove it. And and that's all it comes down to. We've got to start retesting people whenever they reach a certain age to make sure that they're still competent and able with the same reflexes that everybody else has to be able to handle a car on the roads at the speeds that we're driving today. Uh, the fam- Oh, no, I already did that one. Uh, Michigan. No, I'm not going to do that one yet. Let's go to New England. You're going to have to wait to find out what happens in Michigan. (laughs) It's a good one. Uh, New England. Did you see this fight in the stands at the Patriots game? I think it was Monday. Dolphins and and New England. I don't. Man, there's been a lot of fight videos online right now. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but I'm not sure if I've seen seen this one or not. Might have been Sunday. Uh, Dale Mooney was his name. Longtime season ticket holder for the Patriots. He was at the game in his home stadium. When he started getting taunted by some fans wearing Miami Dolphins jerseys. I'm assuming they flew up from Miami or maybe they're just Finns fans that live there. Fight broke out. This guy got punched and died. They just finished an autopsy and they concluded he did not die from a traumatic brain injury, as some had thought, based on the punches that that he sustained. They say he had a medical issue, but they did not elaborate. Either way, this guy was going to be going home after that game had he not been punched twice in the head. And I feel like there's way too many people out there in stadiums in particular that are boozing, that are just looking for a fight. They're looking for a fight. And this is what happens. And this is the difference between, uh, haha, I got a couple of punches in on a guy and it made it on whatever Instagram account you were trying to get on. And somebody died and you're facing a second degree murder charge. Fuck. It's so scary. Opposing fans that come into a stadium looking for a fight, or if you're the home team and you don't like that an opposing fan is in the stands, fuck off. Nobody's punching anybody at games. We got to stop this shit. Yeah, we do. We have to stop the shit. It's and you're right. It's it's a little booze filled too. And I wonder at what point are they cutting off or are they cutting off? It's really hard to keep count, though. I will say that much. Um, And by that I mean, you know, you go to a concession stand there. 
I don't know how many they let you buy at once, but you could buy, let's say you could buy two at a time. You're not keeping track of who's drinking what. How can you? When there's that many people all in a rush, especially right before the game or in between, if it's in between periods or quarters, whatever the case is, how do you keep track of that? You could have one guy going up to one counter drinking and then go right up to the next counter. You don't keep track of that because you didn't fucking see that guy just have six shots going down that way, right? Some stadiums now have vending machines. You just tap your card and it spits out yeah. the beer you want. See, isn't that kind of a dangerous game that they're playing there with that? I think so. But I mean, at the end of the day, people need to be adults here. And if you've got enough money to afford an NFL game and a couple of beers at the game, you presumably should have enough intelligence to know you don't need to punch anybody. No, no hands. No, no hands at all. And that's probably someone that was at, that was out for, like you said, out for a fight. That's someone who came in or in the moment that their team wasn't doing well, whatever the case was, that just decide right then and there, I want to start a fight, and it's going to be this guy because he's wearing an opposing jersey. And that what a shame, because we should all be able to enjoy games like that and not worry about it. We should all be able to take our families there and not worry that there's going to be some dipshits. It's one of the reasons why I don't want to take my kids to some games, too, is because people are fucking yelling and swearing at each other and spitting, and it's fucking gross sometimes. Not always. And thankfully in Toronto, it hasn't been that bad from my experiences recently, but I know that I... See fighting videos like this and shit like this more and more. Well, when the Jays were really shitty like yeah. five, six years ago, there were some pretty good fights happening at yeah. Rogers Center. I think that I was the only it. time people went just I, to see the fights. Yeah, I know. I I shouldn't think just because we're Canadian, we should be exempt from this stupid fucking behavior because I've seen it too. Yeah. Uh, the fam. No, let's do the Michigan story. No, I don't know why. Michigan, I almost read right. the same story three times. <laughs> uh, a, a woman in Michigan had to be rescued from an outhouse toilet tank. Guys, this is disgusting. After she climbed in to retrieve her Apple Watch, state police say the woman accidentally dropped her watch on Tuesday into an outhouse and then decided she was going to climb down in there and retrieve it. That's oh when gosh. she got trapped. Oh my gosh. The toilet had to be removed by firefighters who then had to lower down a strap that she had to hook around her arms so that they could lift her out of the shit. Oh my God. Police didn't say if the woman was seriously injured or not. They did say, though, she did manage to get the watch back. At what point do you say... Oh, was it worth it? Well, fuck. <laughs> and you know what? Even if it's perfectly clean, you'll never be able to not no. smell that. Just looking at that watch on some level, your brain's still going to think, well, that was sitting on a log of someone else's poo. It's not worth it, man. It's not worth it. What gen was that Apple Watch too? Was it brand new? No, it probably wasn't. You get it, even get get a refurbished one. Fuck it, you just leave it there. I would never. I would never. I would just be like, well, that's it. You know what I don't understand about this story is is why that was the go to. Like, did she truly look around everywhere and decide there's just no other choice? I got to climb into the poop. Yeah. Was there nothing you could have lowered down there? Was there not a stick you could use to try and scoop something? In? Anything? Nothing at all. Want to get more people involved too? Like. Hey, I dropped this. Does any has anyone seen a stick or can help me put a contraption together? You don't have to go down to the shithole, but like I'll do it. But can you help me put something together? Even then, though, once it's dropped in there, Scott, I can't. I wouldn't. Nope, I can't, I couldn't. I couldn't. I wouldn't. I shouldn't. I shan't. <laughs> I'm not doing it. That was a very good Seuss. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> uh, do you remember back in May, Kraft announced an update to the packaging of their Kraft singles? Oh, right, yeah. They said the number one complaint that they heard at Kraft was that it was too hard to get that plastic film off the slices of cheese. They're not cheese. Well, now Kraft has issued a voluntary recall on those Kraft singles with the new packaging to prevent us from eating the plastic wrappers. It's precautionary. They had an issue with one of their wrapping machines. They say when you remove the wrapper on each side, a thin little strip of plastic can rip off and stick to the cheese. So you might not realize it and toss it on a burger, and then the plastic becomes a choking hazard, especially for kids. So if you've got a craft cheese slice, make sure the plastic's off before you serve it to your kids. I don't know why we would need to explain that. I think every parent that loves their kids would probably do that anyway, wouldn't they? What's this? Now nah, eat it anyway, kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think that they would. I just think it's so funny that they launched this big new wrapper and they're like, oh well, we've got problems. <laughs> They say it's thicker, sturdier, and easier to open. Okay, but it's also a choking risk now, and it doesn't even come off the fucking cheese. This is a problem here. Oy, oy. Uh, 84. This is. By the way, are they recalling that? Yeah. Okay, so good, 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 good. I was just making sure. 84,000 cases are being okay. recalled. Okay, okay, good. Yeah. 
84,000. Somebody's in a lot of shit. And, and I think it has a pretty long shelf life. I mean, I've got some of that stuff that's been in the fridge for years. I don't think it's gone bad. I, I assume they have to unwrap every one of those 84,000 cases and then rewrap it in regular wrap. Or are they just throwing out 84,000 boxes of cheese? That's going to be an expensive it, day of craft. It amazes me that many people buy that shit anyway. You know, it's really <laughs> it's so not gross. hard to grate. Listen, to each their own. I know some people actually like it. Like some people, it's not about the fact that it's cheese or not cheese. They just like it. Like to me, it's just tastes like, pla- it tastes like the wrapper. It tastes like plastic. Yeah. No, it's, not, ab- it's not good. You're absolutely right. What's even in there? Over at the Huffington Post, Cat, they've coined a new dating term. Anti-ghosting. You can go there and read all about anti-ghosting or just continue listening. They say when you ghost someone, that's when you totally disappear, just MIA. Nobody knows whatever happened to you. We don't know if you're alive or dead, but clearly you don't want to go out with that person anymore because <laughs> you're just gone. Bye. Anti-ghosting is actually the way things used to be before people let their anxiety catch up to them and and didn't want to face the fear of dumping someone in person. Anti-ghosting is where you actually do the adult thing and tell them, hey, I don't want to go out with you anymore. And you break up with them, either in person or even by text. Anti-ghosting is being honest. That's exactly the way that it should be. I don't understand the ghosting thing. I guess some people just find it really awkward. They don't like to face reality or not even a text message. Like that's what always boggled my mind about the ghosting. What did the person do to not even deserve a text message? And I know some people are, are assholes, right? So you're afraid that if you do that, if you've tried, if you break up with them by text, they have your number now. Eh. I don't know if it's any better to, to ghost because what if you run into them again? Oh, that's awkward. Like that's awkward, right? We actually had a texter say that they, they got ghosted, went to Walmart about three months later ran into the guy and she said, yep, it's just as awkward as you might imagine. So break up with someone. It doesn't have to be in person, but at least let them know that you're breaking up with them, regardless of how long you've been dating. Now, is there any truth to that? That would be my one question for you. If you just went out on a one date, okay. And it's casual. It's not like you're like, we've been, we've been talking on the phone and, and by text for years. It's just like, Hey, I just met you on Tinder. You like this. I like that. Cool. Let's go on a date. You go on a date. You don't fucking like it. Is it okay to ghost at that point? Or does it matter how many dates you've been on? Is ghosting never okay? Well, I'm going to say that if you've been married for more than five or six <laughs> years, ghosting is not okay. You should probably tell them why you're leaving. You know what's fucked up? Is that like some people will actually be in a relationship for that long and then just ghost. Just gone like three one years, day. Which doesn't make sense. It's like, don't you know their parents and know where they work and shit? Like you can't really ghost someone you've been with for like three years. <laughs> you got to properly break up with someone. And I, I don't know. <sighs> Maybe that's too unrealistic these days because some people just take it the wrong way. We had somebody message us, by the way. What a piece of shit this guy is. She sent us a text chain. Let me read it to you. Sure. Um, she clearly apologizing for not getting back to him. Says, sorry, I've been prepping and doing the party for my sister. I had to do the barbecuing. How was your day? He replies, it was all right. Wanted to see how you are. And then she got back to him the next day and said, I'm so sorry. I was really busy with that party. I've had so much fun on our dates, by the way, but I'm not feeling a connection. I hope that's okay. It's been really great getting to know you. I hope you find what you're looking for in Hinge. That's a very nice way to put it. Do you want to know how he replied? Huh? Fat pig. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, really? this is what I mean. Like pieces of shit. So she says, excuse me? Well, it looks like I dodged a bullet. He says, you gave a bullshit answer. I gave you a response back. No, she didn't give bullshit. She told you she wasn't interested in you. It's not like she told you to go fuck off. She didn't, it's not like she ghosted you or blocked your number. So the, the fact that there's even one out of, maybe out of 100 people, there's one person like that. That's too bad. And I'm, a, I'm sad that they ruin it for the rest of the people. Clearly, that's someone that has their own internal issues and they're taking it out on you. And that's too bad. But I think it can hurt a little, a little bit less when you're honest. Because I feel like if you're ghosting somebody, then they don't know what happened. Then you really have no answer. It's like a book with the final pages torn like, out of it. Where, where, what did I do wrong? Where did I go from here? Did you meet someone else? Was it me? Was it you? Did you move <laughs> to another country? Like, what happened? So I feel like so much unknown there would make me think that people would mostly want honesty. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm not in the dating world right now, but I appreciate honesty in any capacity, in any relationship, regardless of how long.
I think that if you've gone out on one date, maybe even two dates, there is something in you that made you want to go out and socialize with this person unless you're one of those shitheads that's just trying to get a free dinner out of people. Which happens too. Way too often. There's way too many people using dating sites as like an Uber Eats so they can get a nice meal every Uh day. But anyway, there was something in you that made you want to go out with that person. If you didn't like it or you decided "Eh, it's not for me or maybe you got catfished, maybe there's any number of reasons you don't want a second date. For the simple fact that you thought there might be something there and went out with them in the first place, you probably owe them an explanation. And sometimes the explanation part is going to suck. Maybe you've actually got to sit them down and say, listen, I am uh, uh, just not into you. I don't like your laugh. I can't do it. I could not wake up to that every day for the rest of my life, so I'm just going to end it right now. (laughs) Or, you know what? I went out with you, and everything was going great, and I think you're awesome, but I looked down, and you have horrible feet. So we're not going to do this, and you just have a nice life. Something like that. But be honest and tell them. And I feel like nobody wants to have a confrontation these days. No. And it shouldn't be confrontational, but it's by nature is because one person is ending it. And you can do it in a nice way because I'm sure there's certain things you can look past, but maybe it got to a point where you just couldn't look past it. And maybe that's something they believe in or what they do for a living or whatever. The most, the more honest you can be, the better, maybe. But I think just in general, as long as you break it off and let them know that you're not going to be calling them or waiting around for their texts, it's probably better. So you don't bump into them and make it super awkward at Walmart too. Oh, awful. By calling this, by the way, anti-ghosting, it's almost normalizing regular ghosting. And I don't think we should be doing that. For example, you wouldn't go to someone and say, I got anti-ghosted. The correct way to say it is I got dumped. I got dumped. That's it. We've all been there. Back in the day, we had to get dumped face to face mostly, unless it was a phone call, I guess, right? Which was always considered rude. I dumped via phone call back in my day, (laughs) but at least I dumped him and let him know. At least I did. It's an unpleasant experience to have to break up with somebody, uh, unless it's completely mutual. Maybe you say, I don't want to see you anymore. And they say, thank God, because oh, I didn't want to yeah, tell you. For the best. When that happens, it works out great. But when one person's getting dumped and the other person has to be the one to do it, it's never comfortable. But it needs to be done. And if you don't want to do it, then don't date. Maybe yeah. you're just not mature enough to do this. Oh, clearly. Like, clearly. Like, that texter is a good example of someone who's not mature enough to do that. You know, if you're willing, if you're going to say bad shit about the person that you were just willing to date and want to hang out with, there's something wrong with you. Fix yourself, do better for yourself, and then get back on the dating scene. Kat, were you surprised at how many or how few people showed up yesterday at the One Million March for Children? I, I didn't see, like, every, I know there were several of them. I didn't see all of the footage of it. But I'm not surprised. No, I'm not surprised. There was, uh, I heard it explained one way by one of the news outlets. They called what happened in Ottawa yesterday the second biggest march or rally in Ottawa history. The first being the Freedom Convoy. This one, much smaller than the Freedom Convoy at its peak, but still far bigger than most protests. So for those who don't know, They're estimating it was in the tens to possibly hundreds of thousands of parents across Canada marched yesterday at uh, the House of Commons, at Queen's Park, and then at local city halls to protest sexuality and gender identity being taught in schools. Protesters accused schools of exposing young students to gender ideology and said parents have the right to know if their child is questioning their gender identity or if their child is actually transitioning their gender identity. They met with counter-protesters who were organized by organized labor who said it's a violation of the children's rights and transgender youth should not be outed to parents by teachers. You know what I like? Uh, leading up to this, parents were, they, they had their cause and they'd organized this into the Million Person March all done through social media, by the way. They were far more organized than many of the grassroots movements. So good, they organized it. And then the labor groups and the community groups got involved and said, well, we're going to hold a counter-protest to stop the hate. And one of the things that I really didn't like before yesterday was throwing around the term hate and stuff like that. And I have no doubt that there's some hateful people that were on yeah. that rally yesterday. There were, there were slur. I mean, you could look at video if you want. There were some people just hurling slurs in there to just be hateful and that they didn't represent everybody that was there. Absolutely. But at some point in the day yesterday, 
even some of the real left-leaning media outlets like the CBC, they started to change their verbiage and they started to change the way they were presenting the story. It wasn't as much hate versus love. It was more counter-protesters versus protesters. And then eventually it was parents. And then they finally started to acknowledge, probably because they realized that's their target demo, that there are parents with legitimate concerns that went out there and marched yesterday for something that they feel is very important to discuss. And and the counter-protest aside, I mean, everybody has a right to protest, but when it comes to the counter-protest, I just don't understand why it had to get so them versus us. I don't understand why it had to be, if you participate in this, you're a hateful bigot. Because I don't think it was that way. I, I think that there's probably... A lot of real regular, nice, otherwise nice Canadian parents out there who saw or have heard some things going on in schools and and they wanted to let it be known that they don't agree with it. And even they yesterday were probably surprised to hear that they're a right wing extremist because they participated in this march. But that was the way the counter protesters tried to set it up. And I really just kind of wish that we would let people be heard. You know, I mean, we did the same thing with the Freedom Convoy. Everybody shouted them down and called them names and stuff like that. And then it turned into using the goddamn Emergencies Act. And I don't know if this is going to escalate to that, but I do know that parents wanted to be heard. And unfortunately, I don't know that they were. Nobody has come out and said, parents, thank you for your march. Thank you for making your point. We've heard you. We will take all of your feedback or recommendations into account. Nobody's really come out and said that yet, and I'm not quite sure if they're ignoring them or if it's just one of those topics that none of the politicians wants to touch. Right. Uh, Yeah, and anything that I'd seen, even from uh, the prime minister himself tweeting yesterday, it was just a blanket like, we don't believe in hate. Let me be perfectly clear. We don't like transphobia. We don't like this, that. But he didn't really address the parents. Well, and, and one of the things that I was really kind of surprised at is the number of politicians that lined up with the counter protesters. And that's fine. Politicians have a right to protest too. They've got things that they believe in. None of them lined up with the parents. They all lined up with the counter protesters. I mean, for example, Jugmeet Singh was actually marching in the counter protest rally in Ottawa. And for all the mayors and chairs and, and all these different groups, the school boards, Oh my God, I almost forgot about the school boards for all of them that put out these we-don't-support-hate messages on their social media and we stand with the 2S LGBTQ plus community and all this sort of thing. It just seemed like it was empty words. And the reason I say that is because school boards in particular are in a unique spot. They can say they stand with the 2S LGBTQ plus community, but if they proved it, parents are saying things like we don't want uh, trans boys using the girl's bathroom. Have I got that right? We don't want trans boys using the girl's, no, using the boy's bathroom. Right. Right. We don't want trans boys using the girl's bathroom. They're saying things like, we don't want uh, a trans boy to be able to play against girls in competition. They want things to remain basically by biology. Parents yesterday were calling for a commitment that if their kid is questioning their sexuality to a teacher, or if the kid says, you know what? I want to be called by a different name now, and I am uh, gender fluid, or I am completely ready to transition to a, a different sex. Parents want to know that the school is going to inform them of that sort of thing. And the school boards have an, a, a unique opportunity right now. If they truly do, as they said in all those statements they put out yesterday, if they truly do stand by the 2S LGBTQ plus community, why not put it in writing? Because that's something that I think is really missing here. People are talking about something that hasn't actually happened. There's no policy in many school boards, no publicly published policy about how they treat trans on field trips. If you're a trans boy, do they let you stay with the boys or do you stay with the girls on those trips? If you're a biological male competing on female teams against females, is there a policy for that? And is it published anywhere? Because this is the sort of thing that parents had questions about. And I don't know if many school boards have bothered to actually put a policy in place. So I think that if the school boards truly feel that, yes, everybody has a, 
you can play for the sports team for the gender you identify with. You can use the bathroom for the gender you identify with. You can come out and we won't tell your parents. Create a policy. Put it in writing. Put it down nah, there. They're, they're probably not going. Do you see but them they doing won't. it? But yeah, this is they're the not going to. These school boards can stand up and mayors too. I saw a lot of mayors out there yesterday. You guys are the ones who control it. If you truly do support, don't try and finesse this. Don't try and walk it down the middle and not piss anybody off. You're going to piss half the people off. Yeah. So yeah, create are. a policy. You are. Yeah. If you're the mayor and you have the ability to say all public spaces are going to be or all public bathrooms are going to be unisex. We no longer have male and female bathrooms. And if you're a biological male that wants to use the ladies room, you go right ahead. Nobody's creating policies for that. Where's the policy that says, hey, if you're a biological male, you can't compete against females in sports. Just doesn't work that way. Many governing bodies in many sports have taken that stand. Some have gone the other way and said you can compete with the gender you identify with. None of these people, even though they have the opportunity to write the policy and pass it, are actually doing that. And it makes me wonder, so do you support the 2S LGBT, LGBT plus community? Because you could solidify these things in law. Or do you side with the parents? Because I saw a lot of hurling names back and forth and calling people right-wing neo-Nazis and calling parents just regular people that are our neighbors, calling them every name under the sun because they attended a rally. But it seems like you kind of want them as voters because you're not creating any policies. Mm-hmm. All people want is a conversation. They want to talk about it. They want their voice to be heard. They want to say things like, hey, listen, if my kid is going to go on the overnight grade eight field trip this year and and there's a, a biological boy that now identifies as a girl, I don't want that biological boy sleeping next to my girl in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. They want that commitment or they want to know that. And if the school boards feel differently, Create a damn policy. And you know what? We could take this away from the school boards. The Ministry of Education could come up with an overall policy. But somebody needs to make a decision because right now we're arguing over a lot of hypotheticals. It's Well, that's what I was actually going to touch on is the hypotheticals of it. Because it's not like the school boards go around and correct me if I'm wrong, because especially in high school, right? Because I don't know. I got kids in elementary school. They're so young. None of this is being brought up at all. But where are we at with knowing how many people this is affecting or not affecting? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, is there, I assume there's not like a survey that goes around that's like, what do you identify as and do your parents know? Like, I'd love to know those numbers. Like, tell me, are there 27 students currently in the Peel District School Board that are struggling right now because they want to change their gender and they don't want their parents to know? I would like to know those hard numbers before we go hurling, fucking yelling, screaming at each other on both sides. I'd like to know if they're going to be heard in, in their words as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even by the numbers, that would tell us enough. If we find out there's one kid in one school board, let's address this by itself, right? And uh, does that mean we need to create a whole new washroom for the kid? Like, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. But all I'm saying is, where are the numbers? How do we know how many? And, and I, again, I'm not in the school board system. I don't work in it. Um, maybe you'd know a little bit more because you've got people involved in the school boards. But I'm curious, like, how many how many kids got involved in this? yeah. Yeah, I, I truly don't know, you know the answer. I, I, I kind of want to know, but I guess you can't really ask people that, right? You can't pass around a survey to every class person in your class and be like, what do you identify as and, and what would you like? And do your parents know? Like, I don't know if that's a thing, but I am kind of curious about that because what do we, I'm not, not to say that if there's only a few people, then it's not worth the argument. I understand everybody should have a voice in any matter, but I am kind of curious to know there's, there's numbers. I kind of want to know. I understand the parents that are saying what they're saying about their own kid. Like for me personally, do I have my own preferences on what my girls should and shouldn't do and can't get? Yeah. Am I going to say them now? No. But I know what mine are. So I understand where parents are coming from. I'm talking more from the other side of it and and where we're at there. Well, I I guess just to sort of to put a bow on on the way I'm feeling about this is, again, there are policies. Some schools have policies. Okay, it's and, by and, school. And you can phone your school and say, hey, listen, if there's a biological boy that now identifies as a girl, does he play on the boys' teams or does he play on the, does she play on the boys' teams or on the girls' teams? It's a fair question to ask, but it doesn't seem like anybody has come out and said, this is our policy, this is what we do, take it or leave it, like it or don't. 
or like yeah. it or don't. Yeah. Nobody's actually done that. So people are throwing around all these generalizations about things that may or may not be happening in your kid's individual school. One of the things that definitely came out of yesterday is a lot of those parents would like schools to not really teach any of this shit. They want them to focus on reading, that, writing, and math. Yes, and that was one of the things that I had seen that, that sparked my interest of, well, what are some kids learning? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is in high school now. I know in high, when I went to high school, and I'm saying high school, but I guess in elementary school, are they learning this too? Like, yeah. I don't fucking know. Okay, so in high, when I went to high school, there was none of that. I went to a Catholic high school. Right. Um, n- none of that. Well, um, but is there is that being implemented, implemented in what is being taught? I know that we're all w- welcome to check out the curriculum, and as parents... We probably should, so that we know what we're talking about when it comes to the when it comes to our opinions on things and when it comes to what matters. But that's one of the messages I saw a lot yesterday was, "I don't want this being taught in school." Or my kid came home saying, "What if I don't want to be a girl, mommy?" And my kid's a boy, and I said, "What are you talking about?" And they said, "Well, you know, they talked about the fact that you can transition." Wait a minute. What? Why? Why? I don't think we need to. Why do we need to push this? It's one thing if a student comes to you and a guidance counselor should be trained in these matters, etc. Right. If a kid comes to you and they're confused, etc. Deal with it. But why is a whole class being taught this was the was the what the person was saying? I didn't even know that was a thing. I and that's the thing. There isn't a lot of readily available information for parents. Parents don't even really know what's going on in schools and they don't know. What's going on with their particular kid? Does your school or your school board have a policy that we don't tell the parents if a kid is transitioning? Or do they have a policy that we always tell the parent about everything that involves their kid? It'd be nice to know, and nobody has had the guts to put a policy on paper. And maybe the policy is, we don't tell the parents. Maybe the policy is, oh, we do tell the parents. That should be very easy information to find, because right now there's a lot of rumors spreading. I'm going to do something that I don't often do, but credit is credit due, or this credit is due. I believe it was Deanna Sumac Johnson last night was doing a report on CBC for The National, covering up all the the protests that happened across Canada yesterday, and there were dozens of them. You certainly can't say that this is a small movement when that many parents took a day off work to go out and march for something that they believe in. I uh, I was impressed with Deanna's report because she said, okay, listen, It's different in different parts of the country, and it's different depending on school boards and in individual schools. She said there are things in the curriculum, like fifth grade, I believe she said, where people do learn about gay people, bisexual people, Mm -hmm. transgender people, and the list goes on and on and on. And they might even learn earlier just based on their own friend circle, by the way. Sure. Or at home. But specifically when it comes to curriculum, there's a few times in elementary school and a few times in high school where it's part of the unit that they study. But then Deanna pointed out, and she's quite right, that's uh, teachers have a lot of leeway here. So if a teacher has decided, I'm going to teach math, but in order to teach math, I'm going to use the example of lesbians instead of blocks. Or I'm going to use the example of, well, seriously. like If I have five lesbians, then that two of them go to a restaurant. How many lesbians are left? And, and this is basically... <laughs> This is basically what she was saying right, is right. that t- they can do is, what they want. There are some teachers who look at the curriculum and as long as they teach the actual curriculum, they can basically do it any way they want. And they find room to weave in a, a lot of pro 2S LGBTQ plus whatever word you want to use to Got describe it. it. Okay. I, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know that was happening. Right. So she said in a lot of cases, if you really want to know what's going on with your kid in your school, mm-hmm. your first stop is with the teacher. Yeah. And and if you don't like what you hear there, then you escalate it to the principal. If you don't like what you hear there, maybe then you consider taking it to a superintendent or probably a trustee, the people mm-hmm. that we all elected. And, and that's where you're going to find out what's actually going on in your school. Yeah. But I'll say it again. We need a policy written down. It'd be nice if it was uniform across the province, but I understand different areas of the province have different makeups. So maybe it is board by board, but it'd be nice if people could, in a very easy place, Find out what's actually going on with their kid and what the policy is. Mm -hmm. And if the school hasn't created a policy, ask yourself why. Because this is clearly a very contentious issue that people are passionate about on both sides. And all these boards yesterday stood up and said, we stand with the the 2S LGBTQ plus community. Where's your policy? Where is your policy? Because that's what people are waiting for. And that's such a weird thing to say. Anybody could say they stand for the community. What does that mean, though? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't like hateful people. I don't see there's, there's no room for hate. I agree with that. But like you said, 
you got to be specific in this case. It's not like you can just say, I don't like hatefulness. And then be like, okay, but what are you doing? What do you mean? <laughs> that that could mean so many things. Right. And, and one more thing on this. I was actually surprised yesterday. I was talking to a friend about it and, and he pointed out, he said, it's amazing how far the left in the country has shifted. It has gone so far left that people who used to be right in the center, supportive of LGBTQ plus communities, uh, people that would maybe fly a pride flag and march in the parade every year on on pride. Now, unless you are 100% all in, no questions asked, whatever they want, they get, you're actually a right-wing extremist. It's no longer okay to say, I do support the LGBTQ LGB, the two, uh, you know I, what I mean. Yes, we know. It's okay. You know, I've you said it a lot in this podcast, again. right? You did a great job. Thank you. I try. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, a lot of people who would say, yeah, I am generally supportive, but no, I don't agree with parents not being informed if their kid is transitioning at school. Apparently now you're a right-wing neo-Nazi extremist. That's what they said yesterday. And frankly, I don't think most of us ever thought of ourselves that way. I have gay friends. A couple of them that I really, really enjoy spending time with and talking to they about hate these that, issues. Some people hate that, by the way. I have gay friends. I must be. <laughs> but they're, they're gay and they're friends of mine. And I'm, like I said, I love our conversations about this sort of stuff. But the way it was framed yesterday is even though these are people who have been to my home and, and spent the night in my basement and drank all my beer and, and we've had these great conversations about life and love and I've met their partners and I, I'm looking forward to a wedding someday. Unless I also believe that we should keep parents completely in the dark about what's going on with their kid at school, apparently I'm anti-LGBTQ. Yeah, and, 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 and I can't reconcile right. that in my mind. And that's not right either. And, and that's this, not right either. This is what I mean by you can say there's no room for hate because I believe that, but there's certain things about what I'm hearing that some teachers are doing, taking it upon themselves to teach cl- classes, I'm not okay with. But I'm not hateful. I'm not full of hate at all. It doesn't mean that I want you to do certain things, right? Like that isn't in the curriculum. But that goes back to what you said, and you're right. It's a make make the policy a policy, right? Well, yeah, make it a policy, and and we got to dial back this rhetoric and this this hurling really hateful shit back and forth on both sides. I yeah. mean, if you called somebody a neo-Nazi yesterday because they walked for the rights uh, or in a protest that they truly believed in doing what they think is best for their kid, and you call them a neo-Nazi? These are our friends and neighbors that we see every day at school drop-off in the morning and run into them at the grocery store and birthday parties and stuff. You never thought they were a neo-Nazi. Now because they marched in a parade specifically for that issue or over the bathroom Mm -hmm. issue or over the sports team's issues, just because of that, they're an extremist on the right now? Okay, well, I hope that they make more room on the right because apparently there's a lot more of us now. Apparently there is because that's what they seem to be saying yesterday. In any case, I'm really, really glad that it remained peaceful. I think there was less than a dozen arrests across the country. That's good. Amazing. That's that's better than I was worried. I was worried yesterday. I'm not going to lie to you. Nothing got occupied. Nobody camped out in front of parliament for three weeks. None of that shit. It just ended peacefully and everybody went home. And we'll see what happens from here. I'm curious what the next steps will be and if there will be any from from the or other or government or otherwise somebody's got to create a policy and then we can talk about the proposal maybe even vote on it have a great day everybody we'll see you tomorrow